Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. Listen, this is Jimmy, and this is a special episode, um, episode 185, right? Um, just want to say happy holidays to everyone. I know, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, so I want to say happy holidays to everyone. Um, make sure to be on the lookout for, you know, our Black Friday specials that we have every year. But this is a very special episode. Um, my brother, uh, Cor, got a chance to be interviewed on uh, Boss Talk Radio by brother George Dandridge. Um, and it was a great conversation. And, you know, so we're going to make this episode 185 of our podcast. Please take a listen. Give us some feedback. Shout out to my brother, Cora, who's traveling right now for the holidays. But we thought this would be a, um, a great episode, um, you know, to drop for this this week. So I just want to say thank you, first and foremost, to anyone who supports anything that we got going on. Special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, our MDC Strategy Private Group, as well as the youth from the By the Hood Ownership Camp. Again, this is episode 185. This is a very special episode. So please take a listen to my brother. You know, you know, he's, he's out here teaching and um, talking about kind of what we do and telling a little bit of his story. So we thought this would be a powerful episode to share for episode 185. So please take a listen, give us some feedback, um, and please stay safe out there and enjoy your holidays. See you on the next episode. Today, our special guest, we've been trying to get my man in here for a minute, but I want to kind of set a little tone here a little bit because I get a lot of questions about investing, when to invest, and I always throw things back to the education part because to me, if that's that much of a question, it suggests that you're not ready. But one of the other questions that I get is when should kids start learning uh, about money? And we're going to talk about all of these different things with who I consider uh, a financial expert in these matters. So in addition to that, you know, share the video, get your notepads out because you know how we do. We're going to run through some information and you're going to have to go back and, you know, get that thing for yourself or whatever. So you don't want to miss that out. So uh, also give StreamYard uh your name and your location so when you're making comments or whatever we can properly shout you out etc so welcome to the show everybody mr by the hood mr Corey camp how you doing today sir i'm good man how you feeling glad to be here man you know glad to oh, be and i am doing awesome and i'm uh super excited about having you on so for those people who never turned on a computer uh, or, or never logged into anything social uh, about media. Tell people who you are. <laughs> okay. Um. So I'm one half of the Body Hood team. Uh, what myself and my partner do are we we are a community organization that talks about finances. And so when we talk about finances, we talk about buying the hood. And so buying the hood means multiple things. It means actually buying the neighborhood, you know, the houses in the, in the neighborhoods. It means owning the businesses in the neighborhoods that we live in. And it also means showing black people 
the love that we deserve. So when we talk about buying the hood, it's all inclusive. It means buying into each other and also buying assets because assets give you time. And so what we want to do is show people how to buy those assets so that they can have more time. So, you know, I'm here for the, I think we have more conversation and I don't know if this is just a result of, uh, you know, my circle or whatever, but it seems as though in this day and age, uh, we talk about as a collective, you know, we talk about uh, more things, money than we did, you know, 25, 30 years ago when you were, it wasn't cool to talk about money outside of your house or, you know, what you're doing and so forth and so on. What do you think is like one of the biggest contributors to that culture shift uh, when it comes to really just talking about money, even if there's no action behind it? Uh, the internet. <laughs> I mean, we was we was living in silos, right? And so um, now we have a bigger audience of people to talk to, and now you're not living in that silo alone, right? So at this point, you know, you and I are in two different places in two different states, and we can have this conversation about wealth. Um, whereas before, is if you were in your location and I was in my location, we would have had to make a special trip that, that had that conversation. Whereas right now you're in, in the comforts of wherever you're at, I'm in the comforts of my own space, and we can still have this conversation, right? So the ability to have these conversations was made easier by the internet and, and social media. Um, another thing of reason why we're talking about these things is because we can see what the power of money does against us, right? When 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 somebody has a lot of resources, you know, we see the actionable items they can get done with those resources, whereas people like us or, you know, people who don't have as many resources, um, we have to ask, we have to beg, we have to plead to get things done. Whereas people with, you know, lots of, you know, resources are able to get things done at a different clip. So that those things start to spark, you know, we started to see the disparity in, in the resources and how they're being distributed, you know, and then with the with social media, I'm not just talking to my brother, my cousin, and the people in my neighborhood. I'm talking to, I'm able to talk to, you know, between all my social media, I probably got about 300,000 followers between all of my social media. So I'm able to talk to, if I want to, 300,000 people. All 300,000 of those people are not going to see my post, but even if it's only a tenth of those people, one tenth of those people, that's still 30,000 people that still see that post. So, you know, it's not me. I, we're able to talk to lots of different people and, and, and larger audiences. Man, you touched on so many things in that response. Um, one of the things I want to circle back to, though, you know, just right at the top, you mentioned the Internet as one of the uh, vehicles that's driving the conversation. And I get a lot of uh, heat back when I when I, you know, throw this out there. But in my opinion, in today's age, despite having all the isms and imics, the systemics, the racism, all of these things, they're still in place. They're still there. But it's in my opinion, in the information age, you know, or we may have gone past that. They may call it something else now. But in that information age. 
I feel like if you are not actively acquiring and applying information that changes your situation, you should not be complaining about whatever that situation is. You know, it's like we we shouldn't have excuses, you know, to not transition like whatever you're at today, whatever, whatever situation you're dealing with. There's a resource. There's information, first and foremost, not a reason, because resources aren't always accessible. So let me stand corrected on that. But the information. I'm going to disagree a little bit. And not, y'all have these. Not, not, with the, not with the premise, but with um, how, it's, how the premise is, 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 is positive, right? And so what I will say about that is that um, people don't know how to learn, right? Because mm. you got to think about it, right? You got Google mm. fingertips, right? I'm a teacher, so I understand how how not knowing how to learn things will keep you from actually getting better at things, right? Um, and then I also teach children with special needs. That was right? powerful. <laughs> I didn't consider that perspective. That's interesting. Right. Need to right. get the you, 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 got, you got people, right, who got smartphones, right? You got mm-hmm. access to more information than any of your ancestors ever had at one time, right? Right. But if you don't know how to use that information, if you don't know how to acquire it and do something with it, the information is still useless to you, right? And so we're not taught at an early age how to learn. We're taught at an early age how to take in, but we're not taught at an early age how to learn. And so what I mean how to learn is how to take what you know um, and apply it to situations and then use experience to to move you forward right so uh let's let's just say a child right as a child we're very curious right and so we take information in as children and we're able to use those actionable items almost immediately right because as soon as we learn something as a kid somebody gives us a test to see if we understand it, mm-hmm. right but as an adult there's no test. What's the test to see if you understand it? The only test to see if you understand it is one that you would give yourself. But if you don't understand, like, like people say practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice mm-hmm. just means you, you, you're repetitive. If you practice it wrong, you're going to keep getting it wrong. And that's, right. what, I, that's what I think about most people in Anderson, that they're just doing it wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that they're not doing it right. They don't have most people don't have mentors. Most people don't have those things that they need to be able to understand information and bring like, so, so, you know, we're going to have a little bit of talk about this, but people, people don't want to pay for other people's time. Right. But what I tell people is you should always have a mentor. If you're moving into a new space, if you're doing something that you don't understand, because that person has what you don't have and that's experience Mm -hmm. right now is, you know, sometimes that person might be, um, you know, try to take advantage of you because they have experience and you don't. But you can't let that stop you, right? Because if that person is not the right mentor, you just move. Because if you really, if you really want that, you just move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like you, the thing. You know, you gotta have frustration tolerance and courage. You know what I mean? Like you can't just let. Because I've been, you know, I done latched on to the wrong mentor a couple times, and what I didn't do is not keep keep let it keep me from 
moving on into the, something that I was really interested in. What I did was I let that person go and I moved on to another mentor that I felt more comfortable with and that didn't give me um, that bad energy that I was getting from the other person. And so, you know, if I feel uncomfortable with something, I just move on. Like, because I have, you know, I still have, I still have the, the, the curiosity piece, right? So you, 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 you need to learn how to learn, right? And so learning how to learn comes from having mentorship. As kids, we got, we get a thousand mentors. The younger you are, the more mentors you have. People are always willing to do things for kids. And it's not because they're kids. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's because kids are curious. Kids ask questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's literally what it is, right? Like the success formula for me, for everybody, is, is two things motivation and curiosity. You got to be motivated to start and curious enough to finish. <laughs> and that's it. You so know, with that said, though, when you say, all right, well, people don't know how to learn. Yep. Okay, maybe I'm oversimplifying this. I'm not a teacher. But again, when we go back to this and you say, well, the information is here, right? Let's say I want to know anything about anything yep. and I go here. And then you said, well, just because they get the information don't mean they understand yeah, them. They don't know what to do with it. Now, here comes the next part. Same tool. If I'm, if I'm looking at a word or word phrase put together, I don't understand. I can literally go in. Find out what each of those means. But see, the thing is not knowing, like, even if you don't understand the words, right? What you want to do is find somebody who do. So what I'm talking about is relationships. I'm not. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. But no, right what now, I'm saying, but this is what I'm talking this. about, right? So if you don't understand, you got your you got your smartphone, you, you in here, you getting information, right? And then you 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 run across a word you don't understand, right? And now you go get the meaning of that word, you still yeah. might not be able to apply that information. At the okay. highest level, maybe you you're skilled enough to do it, right? Some people are skilled enough to do that. Most people aren't skilled enough to do that. But most don't we people still have the how-to access right behind that. Yeah, you could go on YouTube University, right? <laughs> you, you do, and, and I'm not mad at like YouTube is an amazing tool, right? YouTube is an amazing tool. But what I'm saying to you is, you're going to have to go through 150 videos. Mm -hmm. probably to get all the information to find what you're looking for. My, not many people had that much motivation, whereas I can build a relationship with one, two, or five people much faster and get much further, much faster, right? So that's why I'm saying the relationship part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of being an introvert and living in a silo, you, you actually go and talk to people or you find people on the internet that you that, whose information you know and you trust and then you you link up with those people and then you you get to where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, there's a high likelihood that you're going to get scammed the first couple of times because you don't understand. Or sometimes you look up and you find the right mentor the first time. Right. But what I can't what I don't want people to do is get discouraged. Right. Because that's what, what happens. Right. Especially with poor people, because you can't you can't really afford to waste money. Right. So then you don't want to pay. But my thing is, by the time somebody gets to the point where they can be a mentor, they're not going to want to do it for free. So you're going to end up having to pay for mentorship. And so this is this is where this is where, huh? I want to I want to talk about that term because okay. I think 
uh, it's kind of abused, you know, and this is just my take on it. Um, there's a absolute distinction between a mentor and a trainer or a coach or okay. what have you. And I, I know that distinction. When I say, when I hear people say, I'm looking for a mentor. Almost every time I see that, what I end up seeing behind it is a person that's not committed, a person who's looking for the answer key, and even sometimes someone who's looking for a done-for-you solution, quick-fix microwave don't put in the work like I need this information and I need it to be applied and I'm looking for the quickest way to get that done. That's 99% of people. That's why people buy stuff. So here's what I will say, right? You put conditions on your, your teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference between a mentor and a teacher is that a teacher is there to help you and to help you apply. And a mentor really actually cares about the outcomes, mm -hmm. right? So, the teacher is there to, 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 to give you the information and help you apply it. They don't care about the outcomes because they did their job as a teacher. Mm -hmm. A mentor actually cares about and helps you apply that information. And so that's why I said it's more about relationships than it is about, like, because you can find teachers, right? Because like I said, there's a thousand, there's a million YouTube pages, right? But it's hard to find mentorship, harder, I will say, to find mentorship. So definitely harder to find mentorship but i think the other caveat to that um or at least what i've seen is and i feel like you don't choose a mentor the mentor chooses you there's no. this old adage there's this old adage that when the student is ready to learn the teacher will appear no. and there are people that i mentor that the reason that they have the access to me that they have is because I've seen the commitment that they have. And so I don't feel like I'm putting information in infertile ground and I'm excited to, you know, help them and help them get to the outcomes that they're looking for. I don't blame you. I'm This is not a blame game, but what I'm saying to you is mentorship comes in all different shapes and sizes. Right. And so, okay. and so it's not a one one-stop shop right you can find mentorship on different levels right where Correct. you so is is you know football coaches and basketball coaches could be mentors also right they're teachers first right because they got to mm -hmm. teach you the skills and then you know they take on mentorship roles with those people who show that extra you know whatever it is or mm -hmm. you know and it goes the same thing with anybody right you're more likely to to help people that you like that that you see or don't it's the same thing with teaching right as a teacher when in, in in your classes when you were a student your teacher helped the people who wanted to help the most right so it's not this is not um you know this is this is that's human nature that's not something that you know that's like like no aha moment that's human nature mm -hmm. you know what i mean so I'm really not saying we're not really differing. We're just saying it in a different way. Right. Because like in a mentorship, you definitely want somebody who's putting in the time, effort and energy. Right. But, you know, I mean, the thing I do with my mentorships is, is I make you fill out 
you know, I give you a certain set of criteria that you had to do before I even take on the mentorship. Mm. So if you don't meet those criteria, I never have to worry about you again. Mm. So, you know, I eliminate 99% of people right up front by just having criteria. Mm. Because most, when you're taking on people as a mentor, you got to have criteria or people will waste your time. Mm-hmm. So I just well, said, I never considered. Uh, so that was a paradigm shift for me because I never considered mentorship. Uh, I don't see mentorship and think of uh, a cost associated with it, you know, and that's What's why I say the mentorship, there's almost no cost associated with it. The thing is, I want to see that you're serious. Right. So the cost is all going to come in your time and your effort for the very him? most part. The cost is going to come mostly in your time and your effort. Right. Okay. You know so what we mean? are saying the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Most most of the cost is going to be paid in your time and your effort to, to show me that if I put more time and effort into you that you're going to reach your desired goal because if I do mentorship, I want you to get to where you're going and I don't want to waste a lot of time getting you there. Right? Mm-hmm. So but the thing is, I'm a teacher, so I don't get a chance to do a lot of mentorship, mm-hmm. right? Because I spent like I actually teach in inner city schools. I go into school, I reach hundreds of kids a day, mm-hmm. right? So um what I want, what I want to be able to do, you know, is is break down the difference between like I don't do a lot of mentorship with those kids. I do a lot of teaching, mm-hmm. but I don't get a chance to do a lot of mentorship. So that's why I differentiate between teaching and mentorship, mm-hmm. right? What I do is encourage those kids from what I taught them to find a mentor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at this time, I don't have the time to really invest individually in those students. You know what I mean? Like I might take on, mentor, I might take on, I might mentor maybe one or two people a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of the time commitment I'm going to put into it once I get started. You know what I mean? But I teach thousands of people a year Mm -hmm. i teach thousands of people a year because what i do is i help them set up systems where they can help teach themselves so that's my thing i'll help teach you systems where you can do it Mm -hmm. because then that frees up my time to do all of the other community work and all of the other things that i want to do i don't have to spend as much time with you if i can set you up with a system where i can help you do it yourself you're real big you and your organization you're real big uh in community uh efforts um which i know has a lot of uh it has its its rewards and i'm sure it has its frustrations uh too um what do you believe would be key to the collective changing our relationship with money uh starting at an earlier age just because we don't talk about money unless we talk about being poor, right? Or we don't talk about money unless we talk about being rich. We need to just talk about money, period, right? What is it? How does it, what what, what outcomes like? Because money is a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And so as people look at money as a, as a goal, but money isn't a goal. Money is a tool. And so we need to talk about the tool of money. Like what does the tool of money allow you to do? Right. And so now we know what the tool allows us to do. Right. Because most poor people don't have any idea what the tool of money allows them to do, especially as a kid. Right. Because you don't know you're poor. Mm-hmm. When you're a kid. 
You don't know. I like. I didn't know I was poor till I was in in college. Yeah, like, no, that's a very interesting point you made. Because... <laughs> you know I mean? Like I had no idea I was poor until I got to college, and I see what actual rich people really live like and really look like. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know. So I had no idea I was poor until I got to college. Like I knew that I wasn't wealthy, but I didn't know I was poor. Right. You know what I mean? There's a but, difference between knowing you're not wealthy and then knowing you're poor. Right. Like, I was like, oh damn. <laughs> most mean? people, especially kids, uh, just depending on, <laughs> and I encourage and, and I promote, uh, you know, parents today that are willing to expose their kids to more, even when they don't have uh, necessarily all the resources to do so. Yeah. That exposure changes things. Yes, now it, it requires will. some, it requires some mental guidance, uh, some parental guidance, because. Like you said, I I had no idea <laughs> I was poor. And when I figured that thing out, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this don't even feel like that's how that's supposed to go. But before I left that original neighborhood, that original community surrounded by nothing but family and what I knew and saw every day, there was no way for me to... Ascertain you, yeah, you had no idea, no basis to bounce, right. nothing to bounce it off, right? Because like, everybody around you is the same situation, and people don't, you know, people don't like. I never knew that I was poor because I had everything I ever wanted, right? Like you never missed a meal. You know? Yeah, I didn't. You know, even though I grew up in an extremely poor neighborhood, I never knew I was poor because right. we had, we were neighbors, mm-hmm. we had. And, and, and um, the thing that I always talk about and with me and my partner talk about uh, um, my business partner is that 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 human connection, that human energy. Right. That human energy didn't allow me to feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Because my neighbors love me. Right. Mm-hmm. My, my my family loved me. So I didn't grow up abused. I didn't like I know that's the story of a lot of, um, you know, people that come from the neighborhoods I came from, but I didn't grow up that way. Now I grew up traumatized because you see violence and you see those mm-hmm. kind of things, but I didn't grow up abused. There's a difference between traumatized and abused. I mm-hmm. definitely grew up traumatized because you see things as a kid in these kind of neighborhoods that you should never see. Right. But I I didn't grow up abused. My parents went to work every day. My parents made sure that I ate every single day, that my clothes weren't, you know, and ripped and tattered. My parents weren't on drugs. Like my parents did the best that they could with the situation with what they knew. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so I didn't grow up even though, like Ooh. I said, go ahead. I I'm sorry to interject right there, but you just said something that was like, bye y'all. And I challenge adults with this because you know, it's like the kid, they're they're sponges, and it's a beautiful thing. Childhood innocence is a beautiful thing. Um, and I always promote, you know, talking about finances earlier on when they have the mental capacity to absorb everything you want to diminish what a kid can understand, but they actually have the capacity to understand way better than an adult. But for the adults, your, your 30 pluses who say, well, my parents didn't teach me this. Or this was not, you know, normalized in our household or what have you. Do we not have 
a responsibility to have some self-accountability at some point. Like at some point, sure. stop saying I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this in 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 all seriousness, most adults are just large children, right? Because, <laughs> and and listen, because they're still that pet, they, they're they're living in the past and not they're not living in the present and thinking about their future. They 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 want to go back that you know because we re-romanticize things that shouldn't be romanticized, right? And so when I say most adults are just large children, it's because we're still romanticizing and, and, and thinking about things that happened in the past, right? Um, you know, like I said, my parents were great to me, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm not real sitting romanticizing the 80s. I grew up in the crack era 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like people talking about violence now. I don't know if the violence now was worse than the violence we did. It's just more publicized because everybody walking around with That's a camera. True. Yeah, everybody walking around with a camera in their hand, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up in the crack era 80s. Right. So you like when people be talking about crazy violence and all that stuff, like I'll be looking around like this is not this is not worse than when I grew up, but mm-hmm. okay, but that's because of my trauma, right? I'm 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 a large kid. I'm not excluding myself from that. I'm saying that most people are living like the, the reason why most people move out of black neighborhoods is not because they don't find them valuable. But because of all the trauma they experienced while they were in those neighborhoods and people will tell people that live in these neighborhoods that, you know, you you gave up on the neighborhood. No, I got away from that trauma so that I could survive. Mm. You know what I mean? And so repeat that for the people in the back. We ain't going to just go past that like that wasn't a bomb right there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because people will say, you know, you know, gentrification happens because people in the neighborhood don't care about those neighborhoods. That's not why gentrification happens. Gentrification happens because people are so traumatized that they're trying to get away from trauma so that they can survive. And then these people aren't moving out because they don't love the people in those neighborhoods. They always come back to visit those people, but they can't be constantly around that energy. Again, human energy. The thing that 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 human energy that those 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 you know it'll send you back in a trauma loop. You go somewhere where you were traumatized for all those years. You've seen people get murdered. You've seen you know Miss Miss Johnson up the street get robbed. You've seen Mister you know Mister Barry OD down there on the corner. And I mean, you don't want to live in that neighborhood for the rest of your life. You don't want to live around that kind of trauma for the rest of your life. So the first when you better yourself, the first thing you want to do is get away from all that trauma. Let's talk about the impact that that has as well because i don't know if it's necessarily by design but we were talking about the crack era 80s right and Mm. this was during the time where um america but specifically black america promoted uh higher education college as the meal ticket to the American dream, you they weren't wrong, and, and, and I, I, they weren't wrong. But wait, this here's what I want to ask on that. So, when that happens, though, and you started to see a mass entrance of people going into college in the late '80s and early '90s, uh, like record numbers, and then whenever they would be done. And they were graduate. We're talking about the, the trauma part, but there was another part to that, which was that whatever they graduated in, whatever that skill set uh, was, whatever those disciplines were that they learned, the opportunity to 
earn a quality living back in that neighborhood they came from wasn't there. Yeah, because so, we didn't own any of the business. <laughs> so they had to leave even if they didn't want to, they had to leave because you know better, you do better, or what have you. And then we have where we're at now, which led to where we're at now, where I know, like, I shouldn't be as amused by this as I am, but there's nothing that warms my heart more than driving through a neighborhood and seeing kids actually outside playing or neighbors talking because what we see now is you have people living on every side of you and nobody knows who anybody is. Nobody's talking. You talked about the human energy part uh, to that. Um, so isn't that like a key thing that's missing while what? we're trying to give our kids what we didn't have and so forth and so on? It's like oh, for sure. this right. human connection is, so so two things right one one of one of those things that you said is that you know they actually know each other right it's hard to get to know somebody that you don't talk to that you don't know right um that you didn't grow up near you know like i make sure my kids go and see their cousins and 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 and, and family um in the neighborhoods that you know because i still got family that live in those neighborhoods mm-hmm. um and I lived in those neighborhoods with my kids. Like I, I actually went back and lived in those neighborhoods for a little while. And my wife was like, nah, bro, this ain't it. Like <laughs> I, she's like, we can afford to live somewhere else. We're out. Like, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like she was just like, no, cause you know, <laughs> you know, she's not used to that kind of trauma. She's not for it. And I can understand. She was like, listen, I She's like, you grew up fine out of this trauma, but my kids not doing this. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we don't we don't have to live like this. And we're not. And so the thing is, getting to know getting to know people and and that human connection is important. Right. But also self-preservation takes over. Right. And so where does self-preservation and that human connection meet? Right. Is so two things. My my friend Byron Woodson, and I got to give him his credit for this. He says, as an adult, if you if we want those interactions, we have to move near our friends. And that's he was like, that is the key to all of this. He was like, adults with means need to move near their friends. And I was like, damn, that sounds so simple. But we got to I was like, we can't get 10 people to agree that the sky is blue. So how are we going to get 10 people? How are we going to get 10 families to agree where to move to? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, because. I wouldn't mind moving near my friends, but my friends live all over the country. So I was going to say that. And then there's the other part that goes with that, which is your opportunity may be in our purpose may be in this place where theirs is in this place. Yeah. You know? but, so, but that's what makes it hard. Right. So, right. so it's not that his premise is wrong again, but it's imperfect because you know, the world isn't a perfect place, but, but the thing that he always says is if we're friends, I'm going to help provide you with that opportunity, right? You already have a, a means to be there, right? And so what that is, is if we're all, you know, vibrationally near or at the same level, we're going to help one another because we're friends. That's We're more likely to help each other reach, the, you know, because if, if, if you move into our neighborhood and we get attached to you and we want you there, 
if something bad happens to you, we're going to try to make sure you stay there because mm-hmm. we don't want someone else moving into that neighborhood and throwing off that dynamic. Right. Right. And so, you know, it was basically a concept of, you know, when you grew up, the family that you had was your immediate family. And then the block you lived on or the neighborhood you lived in, everybody was kind of sort of like a family. Right. No, we, actually, in my case, it was the family. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, we were forced to be, though, because white people didn't want our money. They was like, we, we won't serve you. Right. So we had to serve each other. We mm-hmm. didn't have a choice. Right. That goes into my premise that integration was the thing that broke us apart and not segregation. Well, this is a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> right. Because when we had to serve each other, we had more stuff. And, mm-hmm. they, and then, you know, the, the powers that be, you know, the alabaster people look, start looking like, oh, they can thrive when they're together. We got to do mm-hmm. something about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and that's what they did, because they gave us inferior schools and we still made superior products. They gave us inferior food and they poisoned our water and they poisoned our they poisoned everything around us. And we still grew and we still thrive. And so they understand understanding that premise. And seeing and seeing us thrive in those situations, they was like, oh, whoa, buddy, let's not let's not put them all together like that. And then let's start to actually give them access and then not give them power. Right. Because what, what we don't have is power. We have access, but you can have all the accesses in the world if you don't have any power, because access just means you get to pay me for what I own. You don't have any power. So. What we got is access, and I'm not going to poop on my ancestors for getting us access. I'm never going to do that. But what they didn't get us is any power. They got us access. But if they got us the access, isn't it incumbent upon us to to, to get the power? We didn't didn't do our job. They did their Mm -hmm. job. Their generation did their job because we didn't have access to everything. They got us access. It's our job. It's incumbent on our generation to get power. But the thing is, power doesn't see without power. Power does not see to anything but power. And so the thing that we would have to do is be willing to die for that. Ain't nobody willing to die for that because we're not, we're, we don't love each other enough to die for one another. You right? say willing to die. We're yes, most we of have us to be willing. willing. The thing most is, of us are not even willing to get a little uncomfortable. Let so, alone. So, so what I would say about this is that in any takeover, there's blood to be shed. And sometimes that bloodshed and sacrifice has to come from a few so that the many can have. Mm-hmm. We don't have those few that's willing to do that, that blood, that blood and sacrifice, right? Because I've seen what happens to our, our greats in mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? Malcolm X family. History, mm-hmm. history does what it does. If you're not tuned in, it's like. Even when information is kind of whitewashed or hidden or what have you, at the end of that, there's still principles in history that you take from, like, you just touched on, you know, well, power doesn't have an exchange without bloodshed. I said this uh, prior to the 2016 uh, election more directly. I've always seen it. I was like directly like, look. This is how this is about to happen, you know, and, you know, maybe it's for the best that it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go because I really thought it was about to come to arms in the streets 
or whatever, you know, and I prepared me and mine for that extreme. Oh, yeah. But that's it's like, how do you think a country that was founded on murder <laughs> is going to give up that power without you know I mean? somebody getting out of here? Like, There's you're not getting that power without getting that. somebody out of here. You know, or there has to be a major reset. <laughs> Like something, some something dramatic has to happen, something that majorly resets the balance of power with without having to see that power, like a, some kind of natural disaster. Like you know, I don't like, see, I don't see any. And the reason I say I don't, maybe I'm a pessimist in this. I don't see that happening without the extreme of uh, bloodshed. And the reason I say that is because. There's levels of power, and one of the ones that we suffer on is the dependency uh, aspect. You know, my skin crawls every time I hear somebody say, well, they don't give us, or they don't, it was just, they, get out of here. you know, that's part one. But part two, it's like, once you get past all of that, systems that are designed by government makes that dependent. And I'm not talking about welfare. I'm talking about, you know, everything from roads to energy, you know, and we're not going to have control of energy. You know, it's not going to happen. There's no natural disaster that's going to cause that to happen. That's a power that they're not going to give up, you know. So at some levels, there's always, you know, going to be. That's the the way the government keeps control, right? Because the government used to keep control with with, uh, religion and and things of that nature. But all that shit is out the door because people can read now. Like all the information is out there. So the government is like, all right, this is how we're gonna keep control. We control the water and we control the energy. And now you got all these new toys with the internet. We control those, right. we control those new, we control all of that. We're not seeing that control what you gonna do. Exactly. Like so, so you know the thing about that is there are things we can do because we can. We can take the money out of that system. We can take the money out of those systems, mm-hmm. but that's that that would be incumbent upon us to have to move together as a collective to do that, right? Because the thing those thing those systems depend on is humans. They need they need actual people to be there and feed those systems. So, what do you say to someone who would say, "Well, we've done that in the past, and every time we've collectively been in one place, it was tore down." I say that that, um, those people who built that did an incomplete job of building it because it's not about to get good. This is about to get good. Go on, preach. Because one of the things you had to think about when you build something is how to protect it. And so they were incomplete. They, They not that they didn't build it well, they just didn't complete the job because they didn't think about how to protect it because that wasn't what they didn't think about the heinous, the heinous people that were you know about to enter their sphere right because again they forced us to be together we thrived we weren't thinking about them we weren't thinking about them at all and because you know the thing that's stronger than hate is apathy we didn't need them (laughs) apathy hurts way more than hate because now i don't have to think about you at all right and so you we're gonna gonna teach that one (laughs) Apathy hurts way more than hate because when I hate you, I have to give you energy to hate you. Wow. Right. Apathy hurts way more than hate. Right. That's a good one, Doc. 
That's a good one. <laughs> right? And we weren't we we weren't thinking about them. And because mm-hmm. we weren't giving them energy and we were thriving, that hurt way more than when we hated them. That hurt mm-hmm. way more. We didn't need them. Not needing them hurts way more than hating them. I strive for apathy. I don't strive for hate. I don't hate anyone. Hate mm-hmm. takes energy. Hate. Why would I hate you? That means I would have to think about you. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to think about you. I want to get to the point where I don't have to think about you. I control everything in my sphere. I don't have to think about what you do. I don't care. Right? So apathy hurts way more than hate. And the thing that got those things destroyed wasn't that they hated those people. It's because they 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 got to the point of apathy. They didn't need the government. They didn't they didn't need outside forces. One of the things that the 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 the, the um the, the People's Party, the Black Panthers People's Party was, was trying to do was give black people apathy. They were we were walking around with guns in the street because we didn't we wanted apathy. We wanted to be left alone. The thing about it is they don't want to leave us alone because their system depends upon us being at the bottom. When mm-hmm. we can do for ourselves, that will crumble the system. Mm-hmm. That will actually crumble the system. The system needs dependency. And if we if there's no dependency in the system, the system will crumble. And so what I want our people to strive for is apathy. Because I don't think there's nothing else to be said uh, on that. You you just, just, just close it down. That's the show, folks. We're gonna see that. Now, but before we check out of here, man, because uh, that, that that was a powerful uh uh point, I think, to be made. And before we get out of here. Um, I want to revisit that part we were talking about um, with the kids and the learning okay. uh, and the efforts that you guys are doing, because I'm always asked, well, when is the time to start teaching kids about money or sometimes for, you know, people are more means, they'll ask me, well, when should we start teaching kids about investing? My answer to the money question, uh, when you start talking about money, is pretty much when a kid can count. You can count to 10. You you need to talk about it before they can count. You need to talk about it as soon as they can talk. Okay. Right? My kids, the thing about money is you have to understand its purpose. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to talk about hammers and we're going to, you know, if my kid knows what a hammer is, my kid is going to know what a dollar is because both of them are tools. Right. So as soon as my kids can talk, we start to talk about money, right? So how do you, how do you, as as a collective, how do we normalize? Uh, because one of the things that was like a generation thing, we talked about this right before we got on, was there was a time where it was taboo, you know, to have money discussions, uh, even in the house, let alone outside of the house. So how do we normalize that being the topics? Now, because one of the things I learned long time ago uh, was that conversations were different at those dinner tables or whatever. Money conversations was was a norm, you know, and at our tables, it wasn't. It it starts with education, right? So if a parent knows, like, because we normalize it by teaching the parents that it's normal to talk about money, right? And so... The same way we, you know, 15 years ago, you could say 
you know, faggot and lesbian and all this other crazy stuff, you can't say that no more, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, if, if we moving along in society and we can, you know, and 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 we're and we're growing and doing all of these other things, then we need to grow in that way too, right? We need to move the, we need to shift the shift the whole dynamic. We shifted the dynamic, you know, where it's unacceptable to say and do certain things to certain people because we understand that it's hurtful and hateful to do those things, right? And so it's hurtful and hateful to us to not talk about money because it, the thing that's a lot of these problems that we think are social problems are actually economic problems because we don't have access to money, right? Because you you can see the things that people do with money once they have it. You know what I mean? Like they put their families in better positions. If I got a neighborhood full of people that make $150,000, my neighborhood is going to look nicer than a neighborhood full of people who own $25,000 houses. Not because the people are that much different, but because in that neighborhood with $150,000 houses, most of those people probably own those houses. They care more about those houses. Whereas in the neighborhood with the $25,000 salaries, they're probably renters. And people that, when you don't own something that was not yours, you're going to treat it different than when it's yours. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's more of an economic problem than it is a social problem, right? We have to, to and, and for it to not be an economic problem, we have to address the economic portion of it. People think it's all social, and some of it is social, right? Because they there's social constructs built into the into the um into into our government into the way things are done that we didn't have any control of, and we still don't have control over, but. The parts that we do have control over, we need to take control over. And information is something, like you said, that's at our fingertips. Information is at our fingertips. And so we got control of that, right? And then information and relationships, right? Get around people who talk about this stuff, right? If you're about, if you know how they say, if it's five broke people in the room and you're friends with all five, you're most likely to be the sixth broke person. But if but you go to the same point when you're talking about, the economic structure in the, the $25,000, you know, neighborhoods, isn't that kind of a, a environmental circumstance at that it point? Is, it is an environmental circumstance. But what I'm saying to you is that if you start this, like if we start to go into those neighborhoods, which is what I do, right? Because me yeah. and my partner, we used to just go to literal libraries and invite people, like literally go around the city to libraries in the city and say, come out and we're going to talk about money. Mm-hmm. literally what money is and what we need to do with that money so that we can be in better positions. Right. And we're not going to talk about bettering everybody. We're going to talk about starting with our, with our own household. Right. Because if I raise the bar in my household and you raise the bar in your household and we live in the same neighborhood, automatically the neighborhood just came up because those two households raised up the standard. You see what I'm saying? Bro, it doesn't necessarily have to go. Like I go in the trench. I go into the trenches, trenches. Cause I, the thing is, I know how to look at the numbers, right? I know how to go. Like if you look at a map of your city, you can look at a demographic map and see the average wages for the, that part of your city. Mm-hmm. You literally can, again, the internet, the internet mm-hmm. is a great place. If you know where to look for information, right? So I know where all the poor people live at because I can see it on a map. Mm-hmm. I go right to where, you know, I go right to where the poor people at and I start to tell them to talk about money, right? The way bosses used to keep people and, and pay people different <laughs> is because they wouldn't allow you to talk about right. what people was making. Right. 
So I start to tell people, I, I, the, the, the one question I start to ask people, I said, what does a millionaire look like? Right? That's the first question I ask adult people. What does a millionaire look like? I mm. said, do I look like a millionaire? Do, do you know what a millionaire looks like? And then I say, I said this, right? I said, you, you got your grandmother, right? She worked for 60 years and she gets a pension of about, let's say, 10 great, 10 K a month because she, she did some eyes and ends and she gets a, a pension and some other things got, she got coming in. She makes about 10 grand a month. Right. Um, you know, my mom recently retired. So I'll, I'll, I'll use my mom as an example. She recently retired, uh, everything coming in per month around 7,500 bucks a month. Right. Not bad, not great. You know, a livable wage, right? Mm-hmm. She owns her house and she owns two other houses. Mm-hmm. I said, is my mother a millionaire? And I said, yeah, because her net worth is going to be, you know, minus her debt. She's probably a millionaire because she owns her house and two other houses. She has income coming in from those things. And she got income coming in from multiple different places. My mom doesn't. I don't want to. My mom doesn't project as a millionaire, but you see what I'm saying. But the thing is, most of the millionaires you know are people. You got people in your neighborhood that can project out to be millionaires. And I tell people you got you got to read that book, The Millionaire Next Door. But you touched on something, and I don't want to stretch out too long. But I think it's imperative that you go back and talk about this for for just a question for a second you open the show talking about uh assets yep. and then you just touched on network can you give a summary on uh what net worth is how people should go about accumulating it and that value between uh, net worth and assets in that perspective versus this common thing we do as a collective where we try to look uh, rich or whatever. So assets are the thing that give you time, right? Because assets work for you when you don't, right? So assets are things that you can buy that will pay you and not you not have to be there to, to do that. So most people, the, the asset most people look at is real estate, right? Real estate is a thing that generally appreciates over value, but I would I would I would disagree that real estate appreciates over time. But I'll I'm going I'm going to save that because that's a larger economical thing that I don't really want to go into. I think real estate only appreciates because the the value of dollars goes down, and it's not actually appreciating in value. It's the actual your dollars are depreciating, and the real estate's worth exactly the same thing. But anyway. Um, Not to mention the part about the whole equity thing when you're talking about what you actually paid for the house when you finance it versus building. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're, we're not getting into the the larger, you know, accounting mm-hmm. part of it. But real estate is a thing that will allow you to gain equity and gain time, right? Because if you own your house and you own a couple more houses, those other houses um, generally will be paying you something. And over time, that's money you didn't have to work for over time, right? And so any anytime you get in, so another thing is the stock market. And so this is what we teach about. Um, we teach these, we teach the babies five years old. We teach them what money is. 
We teach them about equity, why you got to beat inflation, right? And we teach them what real inflation is. And real inflation is the value of dollars going down, right? The um, We teach them about the stock market, right? Because most people don't know how to run billion dollar businesses, but the people in the stock market do. And a lot of these businesses have been around for 50, 75, 100 years. So if they've been around that long, what's the, you know, the, the likelihood is that they'll continue to be around for another 50, 75, 100 years. So let's find companies that have been through multiple cycles and then buy those companies, right? Like, let's just keep it simple. It simple enough. Let's keep it very simple. You know what I mean? Um, let's, um, and then we talk about cryptocurrency, right? Because we're moving to a digital dollar. What most people don't know that is that 97% of dollars are already digital, mm-hmm. right? You know, we have money out here but most dollars is already digital right most right. of the time we're swiping and we're mm-hmm. hitting you know we're we're cash apping and it's just a bunch mm-hmm. of ones and zeros anyway we're moving to a digital dollar that's happening and that may that's going to happen within the next 10 years the, the, this um the federal reserve is already testing digital dollars around the world right so that, that's, most, happening. Most, that's happening right now and yeah, most governments are and have been for a while, and I always tell people, don't overthink. I think people overthink the whole cryptocurrency thing. I think this when you put crypto in front of it, it just boggles people's mind. And I'm like, you know, we like you say, well, ten years. I'm like, we we're already there. We've been there. The average person. I mean, like, I don't know. Listen, you got to think. Think to rob somebody, people still weren't using ATMs. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years ago, ATMs was still kind of new. Mm-hmm. ATM's been out since the 1980s, but people really ain't really start using using ATMs till about, you know what I mean, like the, the mid-2000s. It took 20 years for ATMs to catch on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you got to look at, you know, the, the circumstances. Cryptocurrency is only 13 years old, mm-hmm. 14 years old. So you got you to gotta look at the, 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 the circumstances. Like, it's going to pop. Like, people think cryptocurrency popped already. No, 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 no. It's like the internet, right? The internet was around for years before it popped, mm-hmm. right? We had we had an actual internet bubble from 96 to, to 2001 where it just, everybody was just dumping and then the internet, then the bubble crashed in 2000, 2001. And then from that point on, the internet has been the biggest thing that ever hit economically. There's... The, being rich went from being an oil baron to being an information company. All the biggest companies in the world are information companies, and it's because of the internet. It's mm-hmm. not because of, and so when you asked me that first question about the internet, that's why I said the internet. Because mm-hmm. all of the biggest companies in the world are information companies, every mm-hmm. single one of them. And the information that they have is information on you. Again, that mm-hmm. human energy, the mm-hmm. information they have is not about. Like they can do data collect sets and data collections, but what they do is individual. Like Amazon knows you better than you know yourself. That's mm-hmm. why you get those things that pop up. Google knows you better than you know yourself because they do information sets on you. So all the biggest companies in the world are information companies. Mm-hmm. And so the thing about it is that's why we teach kids that you know the information, uh, your so intellectual property. Right. Intellectual property. We teach about that. We teach about uh, the stock market, real estate. Uh, We teach about precious metals. Right. Because the thing that's been along 
around long is, is gold, right? You can't, we're not getting, that's not going anywhere, right? Gold is a $10 trillion market. They're not, that's not going to, even if we go to a digital dollar, gold is never going anywhere because that's, silver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gold and silver interchangeably, but gold more than silver, right? Because we've been on the gold standard. We've never been on the silver standard. But what I'm saying is, is that those things aren't going anywhere, right? Because they have stood the test of time, like as, as a means of exchange over tens of thousands of years. So you mean to tell me as humans, we've been trading. And always gold, will. We've been trading gold and silver as a means of exchange for the last 10,000 years. We're not going to stop. Right. That's not happening. So this is why we teach about those five asset classes. We teach about intellectual property, uh, um, cryptocurrency, um, real estate, the stock market, and and precious metals. And so we, we teach these kids in a six-week camp about those five things, and they come out ready to invest. So for the people that are listening to the playback on their favorite uh, podcast player, they can't see the screen. Tell them where they can connect their kids with you to uh, take part in this program or even get more information about right. by the hood. Yo, so it's six weeks over the summer, and um, we normally start at when school schools let out in the on the East Coast, which is um, end of June, first week of July, and we go through um, co first couple weeks of August. Um, sometimes we'll start the camp in July, and then we'll end it in August, but mostly July and August. So it'll be in July or August, depending upon where school schedules fall. Um, and you can find that info at bythehoodcamp.com, B-U-Y-T-H-E-H-O-O-D-C-A-M-P.com. And if you want more information about myself and my partner, you can go to bythehood.com without the camp, B-U-Y-T-H-E-H-O-O-D.com. Now, um, if you go, when you go to bythehood.com, there's a free webinar on there about those four asset classes for adults. It's a three hour webinar for absolutely free that will give you information. And so, um, and then the, the thing about that is if you want to see us, um, we do a Friday, we do a show every Friday and we do a podcast. And if you want to check those out, you can check those out on your favorite podcast places, or you could go to bythehood.com on YouTube, by the hood on YouTube. And for the adults that are uh, really wanting to take things to the next level and really uh, learn how to improve their relationship with money and acquire assets, uh, where can they work with you at? Um, so myself and my partners, we've built a, um, a paid subscription service. It's called mdcstrategy.com. The reason it's a paid service is because it's multiple people giving time and effort and energy to make sure that people who want to get more money can get more money. Um, there are people in there who trade for a living and we have Forex traders. We have crypto traders. We have stock options traders and futures traders in there. We have people, we have a system um, where we show you how to invest for your long-term portfolio that will beat the market. None of this is investment advice, though, because you got you got to do your own due diligence and do do those kind of things. Because 
what we do is just share what we do. That's why it's called the MDC strategy, right? It's called the million million dollar challenge strategy, right? And what we want to do is challenge you to make a million dollars with our strategies, right? Because all we're doing is posting what we do, right? So when you see a trade get posted in there, you'll see what I actually traded, right? So, the, you know, I don't just do this on the internet, right? If you look on my page, you might see one or two of the trades that I do, but any any trades you see me post, I took, right? Yeah. Because if I'm going to show you, I need to be able to show you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but what you have with the million dollar strategy is that it's like 10 of us in there, right? It's like 10 of us in there actually posting what we're trading. And so it's up to you to do your due diligence to see, you know, if you want to take those trades with us or not. So um, it's a, it's more than that though, right? It's 300 classes, right? Cause what we do wow. is, is all the classes that we've done. We, so we have classes on, um, oh man, we got mystery shopping classes back there. Right. So we had a woman who does mystery shopping for a living. She came in and she did a, a mystery that lives evergreen in our back office. We have, um, we have a training on how to sell on um, Amazon and all of that kind of stuff. So even if you never want to take a trade, there's ways we show you how to go get go get money any way you want to go get it, right? Because the internet is a big place. But what my thing is, when you come there, all that information is harnessed for you with people who actually do the strategy. And all you got to do is, is, is type into, um, you know, come into our chat. We have a Discord and a uh, Facebook group. Um, and um, a face a, a Discord, a Facebook group, and a, um, uh, what you call it the uh, the Facebook we have a messenger group. Um, so tap into one of those or all three of those things, and go get your money. You know what I mean? Like we not nothing is a hundred percent. We're not guaranteeing any returns. But if you do the work and you follow our strategy and follow what we're doing, you're more than likely you're going to come out better than where you are. Just because you learn something, even if you don't get the results right away, just by learning, you know, because you can learn what you did wrong just as well as you can learn how to do right. So what we teach is the strategies. Right. Um, we base everything on the, the first way to make money is not to lose money. <laughs> That's our first strategy that we teach. The first way to make money is not to lose it. And so we, we, we always come from a perspective of risk management right? right risk management is the first thing that we talk about and we continually talk about risk management it's because most people are using money that they can't afford to, to to spend to try to do these strategies and this is why inside our mdc strategies we have other strategies to help you make money so that the money that you you know that you're supposed to be using for bills and things of that nature you're not using that money to actually you know do higher risk strategies like trading so we want to show you how to go in and you know you can make a couple extra hundred a couple thousand dollars a month because right now up until the new year mdc strategies is 99 dollars a month at the new year it's going to be two um 250 dollars a month because again are the people that are already uh that signed up at 99 dollars are they grandfathered forever that's that's your price forever Unless you leave, and then when you come back, it's gonna be two fifty. But you grandfathered in forever at ninety nine dollars a month. If you think about it, it's ten of us back there doing all of this for for ninety nine dollars a month. 
Think about that. So this ain't a money grab because we ain't making a million dollars off of this. This is not a money grab. For 90, we only put a price on it so people don't waste our time because we were, do again, doing this for free. <laughs> and I'm going to give you guys another perspective to look at that if you're tuning in because <clears throat> I know how some of y'all look at when you see $99 a month. I know this because of how you respond when I talk about life insurance. So we'll approach this different. <clears throat> we'll say $25 a week. <clears throat> and the reason I like to use that that number because it forces you to look at yourself in the mirror and stop making excuses because I don't know an adult nowhere on planet earth, regardless of their socioeconomic uh, standing. I don't know an adult that doesn't uh, spend $25 spend. a week. I, I, I don't want to use spend because that sounds, you know, really like not like everybody wastes at least $25. No, I do. You know, uh, you know, we all have something that we enjoy, uh, you know, that we're spending that much on uh, just frivolously. So we, 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 we you can spend price. that to grab yeah. some information that's yeah. going to give you $50 a week that, uh, never mind. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not, you know, again, because I didn't come here to sell sell my, my program. I came here to, to, to help educate and to help do things. But if you want to join us, come join us. It's, we are at NDCStrategy.com. We're always there. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. When I'm not out in the community, I'm with these people because they're paying me to be there. And they they took a, they thought enough of themselves to, and they thought enough of us to, to trust us. With helping them be educated so that's where i'm gonna spend my time i'm not like you'll see me on the internet occasionally but really if if i'm on the internet 99 percent of the time is with the people who are in mdc strategy um it's because you know they they're telling me about they by their actions that that's where they want me to be um the other thing about mdc strategy is we priced it the way we did because we want you to spend most of your money helping you to make money mm -hmm. right because we could charge whatever we want because it's our time. But we're, we're, we we thought about the price when we were making the price so that you could spend the vast majority of the money that you do have trying to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. instead of giving it to us, you can use that money to help yourself make money. So that when we thought about the price, we weren't thinking because we're active. We're making money. We're So we're not dependent on this. To, to live and to, you know, you know how some people, they make their money selling courses or, or or doing that. We priced it so that we, that's not what we're doing. Mm -hmm. we, we priced it so that you can spend the vast majority of your money making money. That's the reason why the price is, is the price isn't low because it's not valuable. The price is low is because we want you to spend your money making money. Again, community minded. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're not doing it for free. Yes, we have overhead and no, no, like that's what you want is slavery. If you want it for free, what you want is a slave. We not, we're not slaves. We're, we're people, we're professionals, people who do these things for a living, who come together to make sure that we better our community. And so if you want to, if you want to be part of that, come get some. And if not, I hope you get everything that you want out of life. I'm not wishing you bad for not wanting to do it with me. Get, go get it. Just go get it. I don't care where you get it. Just go get it because get I want it. you successful so that when we go to do something, because my, my squad, we're going to go do things and we want to invite other people to do things with us. So 
I want you to go get it so when we invite you, you don't have to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, because we're going to go get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we, we do things together already, but we're going to go get it. So if you want to come get it with us, come on. And if not, go get it yourself so that when we say, yo, we doing X, Y, Z over here, you can come get it with us. So that's that's all. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a hater. I'm a congratulator. Go get it wherever you can get it. If we not the right place for you, go get it where it is the right place. You know what I mean? Again, human energy. Go where the human energy is right. You know what I mean? Go get it. You know what I mean? We're we going to love you either way. But we want you to, like, because we care about the 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 the, the, the um the standard. We care about the economic standard. We care about the moral standard. We care about the, the fabric of our community. And so we try to show that love back in the, in, in all possible ways. Um, so again, if you don't want to do that, just come watch us on YouTube, come watch by the hood on YouTube, watch us come, you know, talk about, you know, come, come right here. Right. Boss talk. Right. Because George, you know what I mean? He's, he's out here doing the same thing we doing. We doing it on different, you know, platforms, but it's the same thing. Right. Cause by educating you, um, you know, he's in the tax field. He's in the he's in the trenches tax because the tax professionals are in the trenches. That's that's there's almost no more in the trenches thing you could be doing. Right. Because the thing is, he's keeping the government off your back and he's helping you to save money by not giving your money away to the government by putting you in the right places. So somebody like George is a, is a community is, is he's needed in our community. Right. You know, what I mean, like if you don't have those kind of people, the trustworthy people who could watch over the money that you make. Right. Because most people don't under, uh, know what their biggest bill is when they when they make money. Your biggest bill, 99 percent of the time is taxes. Your biggest bill, 99 percent of the time when you make a lot of money is taxes. And so oh, you make a little money, a lot of money. I'm just saying <laughs> much money. That's the biggest bill. your biggest bill. Generally, your two biggest bills will be your mortgage or your rent and your, and your taxes. Mm-hmm. So for, for, for most people, it's, you know, um, their mortgage because poor, for poor people is more, more likely to mortgage for people that make more money is more likely their taxes. But either way, you still need an accountant to help you through that. You know what I mean? To, to navigate that, right? Because if you're poor, you want to get more of your money back that you gave the government the whole, and if you're richer, you want to keep yourself from giving away that money. You don't want to evade taxes. You just don't want to give it away in taxes because you don't know. Right. So, you know, get with a tax professional. Get with George. If you want to learn how to make more money, get with us. We don't have we, we have tax professionals, but we don't have that in our um, we don't teach that because we don't have an expert at that. So, if George, if you want to join us, you know, what I mean, you could be our resident expert on, you know, on the panel. You know, what I mean, but. You know, we always looking for experts to help teach our folks about, you know, multiple oh, things. Say less. I'm always uh, available for community causes. And um, I know that uh, right in your community, though, uh, as far as like being able to be like at the camps and stuff, my uh, my brother, uh, Kamari Ellis. Is oh, yeah, right Kamari, Kamari helped teach part of the camp. Yeah, I know he's right there in the area, and I know he's involved in the community. Uh, oh, for sure. Martin was on like our one of our first shows uh, a few years back when we nah, first started sure. the podcast. Kam- so. Yeah, Kam- Kamari is my Kamari is my right hand man. Um, 
you know, I've known Kamari for years. We started off arguing about crypto, how I met Kamari, because he said crypto was a bad idea. I was like, crypto is where it's going, bro. You can think it's a bad idea. Yeah, that's my that's my guy. But that's, the way we met is is because he was telling people crypto was a bad idea. I was like, no, bro, that's not it. Crypto is not a bad idea. Not learning about crypto is a bad idea. You know what I mean? Well, like, I think I think if you revisit it now, he'll probably he's probably changed the tone. No, uh, he was that. saying he what he what he'll tell you is he he's saying that not learning about crypto is a bad idea. What he was saying is edu crypto education is needed before people just dump their money. Oh yeah, yeah. But so I, I'm not going to agree with that because I've seen. Oh, I see people lose a lot of money in crypto playing around and not knowing what they're doing. Well, I've I've seen worse than that. I've seen people like literally have thousands of transactions for a net negative 13 cents. It's like you wasted your time, your energy, your money. You know, like come on, like stop that. But we've been talking to Mr. Corey Camp. We're gonna have to have him back uh because we're over our time, but it's been a great show. Thank you, brother, for coming on. Uh, we I appreciate look forward you. to seeing your continued uh, work. Um, you're going to probably find that your face will pop up when we're highlighting uh, community leaders and whatnot. Because sure. when we're talking about finances, you know, hey, yeah, we have plenty of football coaches and everything, and no knock to them. But where I always think, the biggest void at in our community is financial education. And we salute you and your team and your partners for having the wherewithal and the desire to want to pour that part back because nobody gave that to you for free. Nope, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I pay for everything I got. Yes, sir. <laughs> this has been Boss Talk Radio. We'll see you guys on more.